Hey, what is up, my friends? Welcome back to Rebel and Creates Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where we hear real stories from real men living real lives. I am your guide, Ned Shout. Fatherhood is not only about being a dad. It incorporates providing and serving a home, loving and serving a spouse, engaging and serving in a community, as well as intentionally serving our kiddos. Fatherhood is an adventure, one full of fun, wild, and definitely messy stories. In this podcast, we will hear stories from real men who have found themselves living the adventure of fatherhood. I'm really excited for you to meet Joe Rawlinson. He is the author of two books on having twins. One, Dad's Guide to Twins, and two, Dad's Guide to Raising Twins. On his website, Dad's Guide to Twins, he has tons of amazing content around being a father to twins, being a parent to twins, and over 200 podcasts with anything and everything you could think about to help you on your journey of raising twins. In this interview, there's so much great information on what are the best practices, what are the tricks of the trade, what are the things he's learned. His kids are 12, so that he's learned over the last 12 years and in sharing content with the world around him. And he also digs into what is the role of the father and how important is that role in our world. And really, we just hear from an all-around great man who is engaged, in tune with his kids and his spouse. Please enjoy this conversation with Joe Rawlinson. Joe, what is up? Welcome to Fatherhood Field Notes. Super cool to meet you. Thanks for having me, Ned. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm excited to talk. You know, fellow podcaster, you uh, have over 200 podcasts uh, for Dad's Guide to Twins. Pretty rad. Yeah, it's been an epic journey. When uh, I mean, you're you're a twin dad as well. When when I yep. found out found out we were having twins, there wasn't really a lot of stuff out there for dads. So I thought might as well make some stuff to help the dads that are coming along the path behind me. Yeah, man, I'm sure we'll get into it, but I I could have used uh, the help. Uh, when we had our twins, but uh, we'll get into that. But I want to get to know you a little bit more. Um, so I'm just going to rapid fire a few questions so like my listeners can get to know who who we're talking to right now. How old are you right now? I'm 44. 44. And how long have you been married? 17 years. Congratulations. Thanks. And how, how old are your kids? How many kids do you have? I have four kids. I have two boys and two girls. My boys are 15 and 13. And my twin girls are almost 12. Rad. Cool. My twins will be 11 this weekend. All right. So pretty close. Um, and then the, your twins, they're identical. They're identical girls. That's right. That's fun. That's fun. Okay, cool. And then what do you do for a living? I make a living on, on the internet. I do a mix of consulting for small businesses, helping with their email marketing. And uh, a big chunk of my time is also running dad's guide to twins. I've written a couple books for dads and of course, the podcast and stuff that you mentioned as well. Yeah, man, I'm so excited to get into it. That's so cool. Um, as you became a dad 16 years ago or so, what was the best resource to you? Uh, as far as the basics go, uh, we went looking for some books, uh, the classic Arm and Brat books, uh, How to Be a Father, were really mm -hmm. helpful for me uh, in guiding me as far as logistics of how to even handle babies and what to do with them. Yeah, okay. Uh, that was a great resource to, to get started. And what's kind of fun about that question, you know, I ask um, every every father, I ask that question. And what's cool is clearly you didn't really have the resource you were looking for when you had the twins. So you went out and made the resource. 
That's right. And I'd actually uh, talked to Armin on his podcast years ago. And, like he was kind of inspiration to me. Like I found a book uh, from a dad for dads and I found great value in that. It just wasn't anything like that for fathers of twins. So yeah, lots of books by moms for moms. I was like, uh, you know, dads have unique concerns and needs and, and a role to play with their kids. So I was, I figured, hey, might as well share my voice and, and help some dads out, out with that. Yeah, cool. So overall then, you, you mentioned the word role to play. Overall, your perspective, what is the role of the father for kids in general, twins or not? Uh, I, I believe the father is, is the protector, a mentor, a coach, a teacher, uh, a guide through life, an example uh, for the kids. You know, it's a lot. Of, it's a big responsibility. We wear lots of different hats as fathers. Yeah, no doubt. I love the word guide. I think lately, as I've been thinking more and more about this, you know, just regularly talk about fatherhood every week. That word guide is just such a good one because, you know, it's like you have to go out and experience life, and then you're going to go take somebody on the journey to show them. And so it doesn't mean you have all the answers. And I think that that's sometimes as dudes, we struggle with like, well, which way to go? I don't want to ask for directions or, you know, go gain the skills I need. But a, a true guide knows that they they know the skills they have and they'll go get the skills they don't have so that they could teach it. So I, I really like that a lot. Um, cool, cool, cool. Okay. This podcast is Fatherhood Field Notes. I know you talk about, you know, you talk about fatherhood a lot, but I want to dig into that. Um, have you open up your field notes a bit as a as an experienced father yourself, as well as you know being in this space where you're regularly talking about fatherhood? But the mantra, the theme behind it all is rebel and create. So. The idea with this is in 2015, um, some things changed in my life and I wrote a book called Rebel and Create, put it out last year. And the concept is that I want to rebel against the standards that I put on myself as a man, the world puts on me as a man. I grew up in the church, maybe the church put on me as a man uh, and father. And then I want to create the life that I desire to have with my family. And so rebel and create can be applied to so much. It could be I'm rebelling against uh, texting or being on my phone at dinner time so that I can create better conversations with my family. Two, I'm rebelling against something on a larger scale, if you will. So what's something that you are currently rebelling against and what do you hope to create out of that rebellion? Well, I think one of the things that I've done, at least professionally, I mean, I worked in a cubicle, a nine to five job for many years, and I rebelled against that path uh, to venture out on my own to work for myself. And that was about six years ago, I quit my day job uh, to work for myself. And in, nice. making, in making that leap, I, I realized I was really rebelling against the idea that uh, the provider of the house has to be away from the house all the time working. I found that I was able to be more flexible in my work schedule so that I could spend more time with my kids at home. Uh, when I left my job, we were homeschooling at the time. So I was able to help a little bit with, with some of that. Okay. Um, and even just, you know, seeing the kids in the morning, seeing them in the afternoon when they go from school now and, and being more present and working my, my work around that instead of the other way around. Nice. Now you mentioned, um, homeschool and then now they're not homeschooled. So tell me about that for a minute. Yeah, we, we homeschooled for several years with our kids and, a lot of it was driven by the fact we didn't think our oldest was was ready to go off to kindergarten. So we figured mm -hmm. we might as well just do it at home ourselves. And then the other kids followed suit after that. Uh, we did reach a point where it was getting to be a little too much for my wife uh, primarily to handle and me to supplement. And so we ended up putting them in the public school so that she could focus on her business and myself on mine uh, during the daytime. 
of course, with with COVID and everybody locked down, we're back where we started. Right, um, right. Uh, but at least we know what to do now. Yeah. No, I, I love that because, you know, that is a big question everybody has right now. And I think so much of the time you'll find these pockets of people where it's like, that's the homeschool group. That's the charter school group. That's the, you know, we have these groups and we don't realize like it's okay to go from one to the other. Like if you make a decision and then you get more information or things change in your home, you can change your mind, you know, you know, and I think that we don't always realize that as fathers leading our home. It's like, well, we said we were going to homeschool and now it's been two years and now it's not working, but we don't want to go back on what we said. Like that's ludicrous. I mean, obviously you don't want to be the family that's just like change your mind every month. Uh, but I think that we can be a little bit more flexible than we are with ourselves. That's true. And you mentioned, I mean, we've done all three of those schools with our kids. We did, we started with homeschool. We went to charter school then they went to the neighborhood public school and now they're back in another charter school. So you got to be flexible to adapt with the needs of your children. As they, as they get older, they start to demonstrate themselves um, what's working, what's not working for them in their education. And you have to find, uh, you know, a better fit for them if that's what's needed. Yeah. And I, I like that you said too, is like you have to know the needs of your children because sometimes one thing isn't always going to be best for the other. I mean, you, you know, each kid is so different from the other in, in a lot of regards. Um, have you found that you've had to do, you know, like this is better for this kid and this is better for the other or is one school working for them? Uh, well, right now they're all in the same charter school. Um, but even a couple of years ago, we had four kids in three different schools. Yeah. Yeah. So logistically totally. that was a challenge, but um, we found, you know, one of our oldest wasn't quite ready to go to the neighborhood uh, middle school. So we put him in a charter school and then the other kids uh, followed suit after that. But it did require us to realize that, okay, he's, he's different than his siblings. He needs to go in a different spot. And then we saw the benefits of where he was going and it would be a good fit for their, for his siblings as well. Okay. Um, a couple more questions, then I'm going to jump into the, the twin stuff since you're the expert. So you also mentioned you've worked from home for, for the last six years and, you know, we have so many people who are now kind of been forced into that role and some of them like it, some of them don't. And I think we're going to see a little bit of a change in our business world, even more where more businesses are like, Hey, we actually did fine. So go ahead and stay home. What are a couple of things that you found to work well in, in working from home, having four kids, like some best practices, best practices, uh, definitely be on the same page with your spouse as far as who's available because uh, the kids are always going to need somebody to talk to either mom mm. or dad or whoever. And so my wife and I, she teaches piano. And so we have to know each other's schedule. Like if I'm going to be on a podcast or she's going to be teaching a class, uh, the other one has to you know be available to step up uh, to help with the kids as needed. As the kids have gotten older, it's been easier to set some boundaries. You know, if the doors, mm-hmm. if my door is cracked, you can come in and talk to me. If it's closed, you have to stay out because uh, I'm, I'm busy. Um, but also making time during the day to step away from work. Uh, we typically have three meals a day together as a family. Um, I'll step out on breaks and, and just, you know, talk briefly with the kids and see what they're up to, what they're working on. And that lets, for them, it makes it a little easier for them to let me go back to work and hunker down for a little bit. Yeah, man, that's cool. Three meals a day. Wow. That's, that's pretty powerful when, when a lot of families are even struggling to have dinner together. You know, but as you say, you know, you go like I was, we're trying to do something as a family tonight. And then my wife texts me, Hey, our 14 year old's actually going to be working. You know, she's got this job at the neighbors and, uh, 
till eight o'clock. And I'm like, ah, dang it. So breakfast might be an easier place to make sure you're having that meal together. Yeah. Depending on your schedule. I mean, we've had, um, we, we found value in starting the day together. Um, even when the kids were run off to school early in the morning, which, right, you know, with, with COVID, they're not doing that so early as they used to, but still meeting together for um, even reading scriptures together and having and breakfast together to get them going. Uh, we found great value in that. Hmm, that's really cool. I like that a lot. Um, okay, now let's jump into you're the expert on twins. <laughs> um, and I've had twins on similar ages. But as I thought about um, us getting together, you writing your book, what I thought to start the conversation around is, first off, you know, what's the best things that you've learned over the years? Of, so let me ask this first. When did you write your book on um, A Dad's Guide to Twins? It's been uh, six years. Okay. Uh, so in that six years of putting out content, what have been some of the things that people have really latched onto or messaged you and said, this was so helpful. What are a couple of those key things that you have found just to be the best resource? Well, with, with twins, it's all hands on deck as far as uh, both parents have to be involved all the time. We had, we had kids before twins and frankly, my wife handled a lot more stuff uh, than I did when, when it's just one baby at a time. Right. Um, so the realization that uh, both mom and dad, you know, the whole the, the family unit is going to be all focused on taking care of the twins, and that's that's the priority. And uh, so that's one aspect, and maybe a, a change of mindset of what you used to do with the other kid if you had kids before versus twins. Mm-hmm. Um, another one is prioritizing your relationship with your partner uh, because, particularly in that first year with twins, where it's just crazy town and you're sleep deprived right. and and you're just trying to stay, keep your head above water. You have to put aside th- that physical burden that you have and not take it out on your spouse as far as uh, uh, temperament goes. And so setting time aside uh, to be together as a couple, even to just talk together or even, you know, get a babysitter and leave the house so you can uh, spend a little bit of time together is, is so vital and important. Uh, I mean, getting away from the kids is important, not just when they're a kid, when they're little, but as the kids continue to grow as well. Now, just to pause you for a second on that, I think that people miss that so much. So to hear that from a dad of four to the guy who wrote the book about being, a, you know, how to be a dad to twins, like that's super critical for people to hear because I think a lot of our divorce or frustration around marriage comes from people thinking they have to put their kids always first. And that sounds bad to say maybe, but not invest, not taking the time to invest in your marriage. And you're saying at this most critical point, when we have four kids, two of them are six months old, right? It's crazy town to go, hang on a second. This relationship, this thing is this important. So let me ask you, why is that thing so important to you? That marriage piece? Well, that's, I mean, that's where your family starts. It starts with you and your spouse in the beginning. You're with them before the kids arrive and you're going to be together after the kids are all grown and gone. And so if you don't establish that and maintain that relationship over time, it will erode. And so when the kids leave, you're going to be looking at each other like, well, who are you? I don't know who you are anymore. Um, Cause you've focused all your attention on the kids and not on your spouse and your kids. Yeah, it's critical. And, and, and I guess anybody listening right now, I want you to go, it's not too late. 
It's not too late. Go to town, go date your spouse. I talked to somebody recently and they went through a rough patch and he was kind of like started having that mental thought like, okay, man, if this, if this goes south, I'm going to hit the gym. I'm going to get myself looking in shape. I'm going to go ahead and get, you know, go take some, somebody out on some dates, show them what a man I am. And then his mental shift went, wait a second. Why don't I just do that now <laughs> with my spouse now? Um, so anyways, and us dudes, we like the hunt, right? That was so fun. That piece of getting to know our spouse, like we're both growing and changing. Keep, keep after that. So dig it. And I love that. That's important. You, I constantly tell my parents the best gift they gave my brother and I was showing us it's possible, you know, right. It, it's tough. It's tough. All right. So sorry. That was your number two, uh, is, uh, making sure that you are a partner to your spouse. Well, along those lines is, is the priorities you set as a father, as a spouse, um, with twins in particular, when you've got two high demand infants, you have to prioritize what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. And a lot of stuff you did before kids may have to go by the wayside. Maybe it was hobbies. Mm. Maybe it was uh, the amount of work you were doing, uh, friends, social events, activities, some things that you really may have, might have enjoyed doing in the past. You may have to just, you know, put them aside for a little bit. It's not going to be forever. It's just going to be for a season where you, you pause those things so you can focus on what's really important, your children, your spouse, your family. And then as your kids get older and more self-sufficient, it's easier for you to start bringing back a hobby or going out with friends or other things. Um, but you have to prioritize what's truly important to you now so that you can build that strong foundation and then add back in the stuff later that you might have done before. Yeah, I really like that a lot because – you have a, a time that you can build a foundation, good habits, and that's through setting your priorities. And I don't know that enough men actually pause and consider it. I think with t- with twins, especially, it's a little bit more in your face. Like, wow, there's this is crazy town and you had other kids. But I would almost love for fathers and men, first time fathers, especially to get that even with their one kid, because it is, you know, if you're a dad with an infant baby right now, it doesn't feel easy, but imagine there being two. There is a little bit of, I can still, I could still do that hobby. I could still do this thing. So it's almost like you're not forced to pull those things and really make a prior, like pull things apart and, and make priorities. So I think the idea of, of us making prior, sitting down and talking to our spouse, what are our priorities right now? Let's build a good foundation. I love that. And what are the habits that we want uh, to set Knowing that it won't be like this forever, we can bring some of those hobbies or different things back to, back in. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That's a really good one. So we got a partner. Uh, we got priorities. What are some other things that you've really seen in your work the last six years that have been really beneficial for dads who have had twins? Another thing is it's okay to ask for help. Um, mm. Too often we think we have to do all the things ourselves, or we have to solve all the problems ourselves. And uh, I know having twins really forced me to ask for help from other people, from my spouse, even from our other little kids helped me in this moment, uh, from family, from friends, uh, to reach out of your comfort zone to ask people to help. Oftentimes, uh, especially when you have a new child, so many people are willing to help. At least they say they are. They're like, you know, if there's anything I could do to help you, let me know. Well, you need to, you know, let them know, you know, write down when they're available. Come over Tuesday night and help me feed the babies. Or uh, I need you, I need you to do the groceries grocery run for me or whatever it is, even small things that your friends or family are, are pretty willing to help do. 
And yeah, I, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, and it doesn't have to even have to be uh, other people. I mean, there's a ton of baby gear out there that makes mm. holding babies, uh, soothing babies, feeding babies so much easier um, than you just having to, to do it all uh, manually, let's say. So it's okay to reach out for help from, from baby gear and people and friends and family. Yeah, I was going to say, we had some fantastic friends, we're still friends with them, um, that had four kids that were older. They were teenagers when our kids were were little. And uh, Marcia, the wife, called called my wife, Sarah, and just said, let me just give me your laundry. Don't say no, just give me your laundry. And she would come over and she'd pick up all our laundry and do our laundry because she knew, right? She had four littles when she was, you know, at a certain point in life. And uh, that piece of the bringing back folded laundry was just like such a gift for my wife. So it wasn't necessarily that my wife had asked for that help, but I think that's just another thing is paying attention. Like a lot of dudes listening, you're at a different stage of life. Think about where you were and then go back and help the dudes who are coming up. Um, Was there any gear that you had that was beneficial or what pieces of gear do you wish you would have had after doing research, you know, now that your kids are all 12? Uh, one thing that really helped when they were infants were uh, little bouncy seats. Uh, we ended mm. up uh, bottle feeding our girls. And so one of us could sit, basically sit on the floor with a girl on each side of us in their bouncy seat facing us. You could pop a bottle and eat each of their mouths and, and feed them. It's just a very simple generic bouncy seat. It wasn't anything fancy, but it was able to hold them in just the right angle and position. So it was easier to feed them. Yeah. Cause you're feeding two at a time. Right. And then is there anything that now you know of, because I'm sure you're getting, you know, you have people showing you their gear all the time. Is there anything that you wish you would have had? Well, that, now they have these, um, it's like a coffee maker for baby formula where you just put the bottle in there and it just mixes it up, warms it up. It's all ready to go. Keurig like ma- for baby bottles, huh? It's like magic, yeah. It's like, <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of a, a premium thing. I was I was like, wow, if we'd had some of those, it would have made you know midnight feedings a lot easier. Yeah, no doubt. That's cool. Okay. Um, any other um, pieces of information that you would have wanted to know, or your listeners contact you and go, "Man, this, thank you. This piece is very helpful." I think it's a matter of perspective that today's challenge is temporary. Mm. You get very bogged down in the fact that my my babies are teething right now and they're miserable and they're crying and I can't console them at all. But, you know, next month teething will be done and it'll be the next challenge. And so it doesn't, it gets easier day by day because they get older and more self-sufficient. And you have to just remember that, that you're struggling through some challenges today, this week, uh, but you'll, you'll figure out how to make it work. And it'll come out the other end of that stronger. Is that what made you write the dad's guide to twins? I think what was the motivation behind it? I think it was a combination of, I I didn't really have anybody to talk to as far as, uh, Hey, what am Mm -hmm. I getting myself into? And, uh, like I mentioned earlier, there wasn't a lot of books out there for dads of twins already. And so I thought, well, here's some of the things that have worked for me. And, uh, I, I put those down in a book. And of course the book has morphed over time to include, uh, other dads' experiences as well mm. that have had success. So it was kind of like, let's share some of our best practices, things we've learned along the way, some things we struggled with, so people know what, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly of what's going to happen. Um, but at the end of the day, you're going to make it through. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Were you a writer before you, you had put this book together? 
I had been uh, blogging for many years on different subjects, uh, different websites. Okay. Uh, by, by training, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a computer engineer. I'm a technical kind of guy who now does uh, marketing stuff. Um, but writing is always a good outlet, even if it was uh, just personally writing in, like in a journal to, to. Yeah, I love the journal. Get the stuff out of your mind. I know you've written a, a great journal for dad. So uh, you're on the same wavelength there. Just getting stuff out of your mind and down on paper is, is very therapeutic. Oh, yeah. So was there a moment where you just were like, man, this other dads need this. So I guess I'll write a book. You know, there's nothing out there that I found. So I guess I'll do this. Was there a moment that triggered that or a certain piece of information that you went, this has to be shared? Well, when we found out we were having twins, you know, we were looking for books. My wife found several books and dads were always relegated to like a chapter in the book or a paragraph mm. in the book. Um, or if it was a, a, a book just for, for dads, twins or whatever was relegated the same way, like a paragraph or a chapter. I'm like, that's not enough. I mean, we have a very unique, uh, unique journey experience here. So that was always in the back of my mind. And then the twins mm-hmm. came and I was completely overwhelmed with life. And so after maybe nine or 10 months, when the, when the haze starts to fade and I can start seeing clearly again, I'm like, oh, well, maybe I should just start documenting what's working for us as we go. Oh, okay. And so I just started blogging and sharing that and uh, people started visiting the site, started getting feedback, people reaching out to me. And after about a year, I'm like, okay, I've got enough content that I can then start to turn into a book and share with uh, my other twin dads. How fun. How fun. That's, that's what an incredible journey to take some life experience um, and then want to take that and provide that. And then also collaborate with other dads to share, to share it. Um, Clearly fatherhood matters to you. Um, did you have a dad who was engaged in your life? Yes, I did. I mean, I have a wonderful father and he nice. was very much engaged. Um, I mean, he's a very, very busy guy. He was a, he was a physician. I mean, still is okay. a physician. And so oftentimes he was away from the house uh, on call or attending to his medical duties. Um, but I love my dad. He's a great example. That's That's amazing to have, right? I mean, it just sets you up for even more success if if you have that story um, of having a dad who showed you the way, right? Um, and so fatherhood is important to you. So I just want to keep digging into this a little bit, right? Because you said there's mom's books and there's a chapter in there. Why do you think that there isn't much content out there for dads? Do you think that it's just now that our current culture is is caring about being dads more than the past uh, generations? Or uh, why isn't there more now? And why are we starting to see more? Well, I, I think there is a shift in society of, of seeing the value of fathers more and more. I mean, we're breaking away from the stereotypical roles of what a father does versus a mother in the house. And uh, even how that's portrayed in media is, is changing over time. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think that, I don't know, I, I was a busy professional. And so I would focus all my energy on my kids go to work, come home, help with the kids, help the family. And then that was all the gas I had in my tank, right? And so for dads uh, to turn around and produce uh, a, you know, a book for other dads or help reach out to help other dads, it takes a lot of extra effort, which you know, it took me a while to get there because I had my hands yeah. on other stuff. So maybe just be a balancing act of all the things that we already have going on. Um, but I am starting to see more and more uh, resources for dads out there, which is fantastic to hear other dads' voices because um, we can all learn from each other's experiences. 
Yeah, it does seem, yes, for sure. Now that we're asking and open to ask, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot for mom and there's a lot of really good stuff out there for mom. So to start seeing stuff for dads is, um, is fantastic. Um, so just digging into the role of the father a bit. Okay. So just a little bit more, uh, this is very important to me is I really want to show dads who they are. Was there a shift for you at all um, in having the twins where you felt like your role all of a sudden was more important than it was um, because now you were forced out of putting more focus on maybe having identity in your job because the, just the, the need your wife had for you to be home? Uh, there, there was a shift because um, we had two toddler boys. I mean, mm-hmm. when, our, when our twin girls were born, we had all of a sudden four kids under the age of three. So it was, they're all still very, very young and not fully able to understand what was going on when the girls were born. Right. And so it really opened my eyes as far as all the work that my wife was already doing with our toddler boys that, uh, frankly, I could, could have helped more with. And then surprise here, here come the twins, which are also going to be a very busy thing. And so I realized that I was going to have to augment all the stuff that she was already doing, you know, help reduce things, during the pregnancy, maybe she was on bed rest. Mm. I could step in and do. And then when the twins were actually here, it was a, somebody always had to be with somebody, either with the boys or with the girls. And so it really opened my eyes to the importance of, of focusing on on them in that moment uh, to help them and to help my wife uh, with that balancing act. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. It's so funny to hear you say it uh, because – we had a when when our twins were born, we had a three year. Th- uh, Brooklyn was three years four months old, and Violet was thirteen months old, and then uh, you know sh- the twins showed up. So we had you know four, three, and under. So it sounds like super similar to you, um, and it was crazy town, man. I don't even we call it we jokingly now call it the dark year because other than pictures. It's like super hard to remember what was even going on. I had three jobs at the time. Uh, shoot, man, getting free cheese and milk because we're broke trying to figure out life. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it definitely does require you to like level up or check out. Um, so the fact that you didn't check out and leveled up and stepped into your role shows that at your core – You know, I think us men, we have this instinct of fatherhood. I think I know that kids need their fathers as much as their moms. We don't really talk about that. Um, But like, as you talked about the role of the father, it's clear that you have that belief and know of who you are. Yeah, for sure. I mean, these are precious little people put in your family and you are, you and your partner, you mean you're responsible. You got to, you got to take care of them. And when they're very little, the duties are very, um, maybe logistical or physical, you know, feeding, changing diapers, sleeping, things of that nature, where once you figure out the logistics, um, you can do it. But then your little people start to grow up and they start to have opinions and make choices and decisions. And you have to weigh in on, was that the right thing to do or not the right thing to do? And are you learning the right things? And and those, those I think are even harder challenges as a father. uh, For for sure. It's easy to change a diaper. It's easy to know how much, how many ounces of formula I'm supposed to feed you. Um, But yeah, but, but, how should you interact with that bully at school or what do you do about that girl you like, or are those right? Really the best friends you should be having or the best activity to be spending your time with. I mean, all those are things that now that my kids are older are a lot, 
a lot more uh, ambiguous in how you solve those problems. Right, right. You're almost like, yeah, I'd rather be sleep deprived and just be changing a poopy diaper than having to answer this question for you. So as you've done your, you know, experienced having, you know, uh, babies, toddlers, children, you know, they're starting to be middle school. And, uh, and I'm sure you've talked to lots of other dads who have, you know, uh, high school twins and twins who've moved out. What are a couple of the stages that people have to make decisions about twins that they might not be prepared for? For example, the school tried telling us they wouldn't put our twins in the same classroom. They're trying to make that decision for us. And that was a point where my wife and I really had to go like, whoa, someone's trying to make a decision for us. We were totally caught off guard. So um, what are some stages that you think are important to bring up right now uh, for people to be aware that they're going to experience? Well, even how you, you group your twins together when you bring them home. I mean, are they going to be in the same room together? Are they going to be mm. in their own space? Um, and of course, what you start out with now may, may vary over time as they get older. Um, of course, that's all within your control and your, in your family. And as, as you and your partner make that decision, I think as, as they start to get older, you mentioned school is a, is a huge one. Uh, we had, like I mentioned, homeschooled. Our, our girls, mm-hmm. all of our kids. And so they were used to that kind of one-on-one individual attention. And we really struggled with, well, should we force the teachers to have them in the same class or should we be okay with them going separate? And by that age, they started, our, our girls started to have an opinion. Like one of our girls really wanted to be on her own and one of them really wanted to be with her sister. Interesting. And so uh, that first year back in, in, in public school, we had them split up and they were still in the same they still rotated through the same teachers. So they had the same um, kind of environment and they would see each other at recess and lunch and stuff like that. So that worked out okay. Um, so school's a big one. I mean, if you if your school won't let you do what you as a parent want to have happen, then maybe you should go find a different school. Like if you feel- Oh, like we did. Like, yeah, yeah, we did. Uh, if you feel like, yeah, so all my twins together or no, they need to be separate, um, there should be other options for you. We've done We've done both of those. Our girls have been separate and they've been together. And there's definitely pros and cons to that. And I think it's okay as parents to realize uh, it's okay to observe what's what's working. Again, with is it okay for them to be together or separate? We found one of our girls would become more dependent on her sister for mm. you know, help in class and help with homework and projects. Uh, probably a little too dependent. And so it was better right. to, be, to be separated. To, for growth. Yeah, that's good. Any other stages that you see... Um that are important like, Hey, you're going to have, you know, sports are going to come up or friends are going to come up or, uh, stuff like that. Is there anything that, you know, kind of advice around navigating those things? Uh, we, you know, we can talk about activities and extracurriculars. I think that it's easy to group your twins together always. Mm. I, uh, even for convenience sake, like I'm going to drive across town to the ballet studio. I only want to go once and I want to take both of you to go to that class. Uh, well, that may be fine to start out, but then I realized, well, one of our girls, she's not that into ballet. She doesn't want to do that anymore. She wants to do something else. She wants to do soccer. So listening to what your children are, the feedback that they're giving you based on their experience uh, becomes really important because it's really easy for a parent to be like, okay, I'm going to consolidate schedules. Everybody's going to the same place at the same time. Well, it's going to have to be dad takes one of them over here to soccer, right. and mom takes the other one over here to ballet. Um, cause that's, that's kind of what they, that's, that's where their interests lie and what they want to do. Yeah. So it's been interesting for us because we have a boy and a girl that are twins. So they're not necessarily interested in the same activities, um, per se. So we haven't had to navigate that. 
what's been more interesting for uh like kind of in this along the same lines is like presley the girl is taller than brody because she's a you know matures a little bit faster or because we did keep them in the same grade in school certain things come easier to her because I think school's just kind of designed for her more than it is for him. So those are a couple of challenges that we've experienced in navigating um, like activities in school, but coming from a different perspective of not identical, you know, boy, girl. So you got that difference. Yeah. But even like our girls, uh, one of them, it takes a little longer for her to learn stuff. I mean, mm. and so even though they look the same on the outside to their classmates and their teachers, um, one of them takes a little longer to understand concepts and we've had to help, you know, coach the kid through that, help coach the teachers through that. Um, so you have to be cogn- interesting. Cognizant so even, yeah, no, that's a great thing to be aware of. Even coach the teachers through it. Hey, you're dealing with a different kid here, right? Yep. We can't expect them to be the same in what they do. They are still two different people. Yeah, that's a good one to be aware of as a parent and to be okay with that, letting your kid be where they are. It's I think it's easier when you've got a 10 and an eight year old to say, yeah, they're in different places, but you got two kids that look exactly the same, you know, minutes apart or whatever. So in thinking about that, what about identity? Like you've seen your kids, uh, you know, our kids are similar ages, but there's this identity piece and it might even be more for you, you know, with parents with identical twins that they have to pay attention to identity, not issues, but development. Yeah. We've, my wife and I've been really, really try to focus on their individuality. I mean, we mm-hmm. don't even call them the twins. Um, we, Interesting. We, we usually call them just by their names or if we're referring to them in the third person as the girls, uh, when we're talking to their brothers about them. And so remembering that they are individuals and they have distinct interests and needs and personalities in our case, even though they are identical um, on the outside and that even trying to pay attention to what those differences are. I mean, it starts when they're infants, you know, how they react uh, differently, how they wake up, you know, how they cry, how you can soothe them are different, even when they're very little. And then those differences mature over time when they can express themselves in their different activities, interests, hobbies, learning styles, everything. So we've been, uh, we, we try to focus on what's unique about them. Um, not forcing them to dress the same as something uh, trivial, but easy to do, uh, giving them on their birthdays. Each of them has, they can pick their own birthday cake. So they have their own birthday cake. Mm-hmm. So they feel individually uh, celebrated uh, with that regard. So little things help them go a long way. I think also making sure we have dedicated one-on-one time with each of them individually without the twin has been really helpful. Right. Um, one thing we've done with all of our kids is have, uh, we call them date nights where we'll have just my wife and I will take one of the kids and go do something fun. Lately, it's just been activities in the house, but the rest of the kids know they have to leave us alone. Oh, I like that. So keeping that alive, even through, through, uh, our quarantine, that's cool. Yeah. And so those have been, the premise has been, Hey, these are date nights to help you prepare for when you're dating. So you have to, you as a kid have to plan what the activity is going to be. And be able to carry on a conversation with mom and dad, just like you would with a date in the future. Um, but it's also a great opportunity for us to get to know our kids better, get to see what's going on, what's working for them in school or in life and friends and with the family without any other siblings jumping in on the conversation to distract or, or discourage uh, frankness and honesty. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. Love it. Super good stuff. So here's my last question. Uh, well, not true. Second to last question. 
What's the worst advice you hear people give parents who are going to have twins? Uh, the worst of what advice I, I think is that it's going to be so hard. You're not even, you're not going to make it. Um, yeah. I mean, cause you and I remember that first year of twins, you call it the, the dark year. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's legit where it's, it's very difficult. It's foggy. It's hazy. It's sleep deprived. It's really, really hard. And so often that's the first visceral reaction when someone says they're having twins, they're like, okay, it's going to be really hard. Yes, it is going to be really hard, but you have to tell, tell new expecting twin parents that it's going to be okay too. You're going to make it through. Yes. That's so good. Yeah. I, I recently had a friend call me and say they just found out they're going to have twins and, and just how everybody's response has almost been kind of negative. Like, Oh, poor me victim kind of, it's going to be terrible kind of thing. And I'm like, dude, do not listen to the noise. Don't listen to the noise. Yeah. Is it going to be hard? Yeah. But all great things in life that are hard or that are good are hard. You know, they take work. Everything takes work. So I know that they were super encouraged just by, you know, exactly what you're saying. Is it going to be hard? Uh, yeah. But don't just listen to the noise of negativity. That's right. You'll make it. It's going to be okay. And you're going to come out stronger as a, as a father and a parent after that. First year. And what a cool experience too. I know having our twins has been just such a fun experience that not everybody gets to have, you know, it's totally different, totally unique. Um, and wild and wild for sure. Um, all right. My last question for you, say 20, 25 years from now, you are standing outside peering into the homes of your children, looking through the window and you see them as parents interacting with their family. What is the legacy that you left? Not the size of house, not the clothes they're wearing, nothing with money, but the daily decisions that you as a father made day in and day out, you can peer in their home and you see that in their home. What is it that you hope to see? I hope that they are are still uh, God-fearing individuals. They're doing the right thing. They're good, honest people. And that they realize that when problems come up, they can figure out solutions to those problems. Um, no matter how big or how small, if it's a simple fixing a light fixture in the house or fixing a relationship with a, a sibling or a parent or, or a child, that they can figure stuff out. They can solve hard problems uh, and they can make it work. Man, I love it. I love it. Joe, thank you for your time. I Not only for the work you're doing for dads who find themselves on the adventure of having twins, but this isn't just a marketing thing. You know, this is real life. This is something you're passionate about. And clearly just hearing the things you do with your children um, the way you date them, the way that you are intentional with your spouse and making sure you spend time with your spouse, like you're living it. You're the real deal. You're choosing a life of excellence, which means that you're constantly pushing into that. Not only, you know, not so that people will see you on Instagram or people will see your work and want to take your work. But first and foremost, it's because you have a love and conviction for this role God has allowed you to play as a father to four kids, to twins, and to a spouse. And so I love hearing um, just the intentionality in, in your voice that this is who you are. And so, man, just keep doing what you're doing and inspiring fathers everywhere, especially those who find themselves with twins. Thank you, Ned. I appreciate it. 
Wow, what an incredible dude. I so enjoyed meeting Joe. The guy is all about twins. He has put out so much content really to support dads. And you can hear it in his voice and his heart is in his intentionality. This isn't just to sell books. He is passionate about this and he really wants to support dads and give them the tools that he didn't have. He has helped thousands of dads with his books with his podcast and with his blog. So make sure to share this. If you hear of anybody having twins, you yourself are having twins, go check out his website, dadsguidetotwins.com and there will be content for you, I guarantee. Really rad dude, really enjoyed the conversation and just hearing from another incredible dad. Hey, listen, every Monday I put out the Fatherhood Field Notes podcast where I interview great dads like Joe. If you're interested in a shorter podcast, I put one out every Friday. It also falls under the Rebel and Create podcast wherever you're listening, but it's called Craft of Fatherhood, and it's where I discuss a question a father has sent to me. So those are 10 to 15 minutes. Go check that out. Thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, What You Do Matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned. Shout together. Let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in the craft of fatherhood. Thanks, and I'll talk to you next time.